Hello there, I'm Benny. Hey, and I'm Kyle. Welcome to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I watch Doctor Who and I tell you about it. Hi, Kyle. Hey, Benny. How's it going today? (laughs) So good. Cool. I'm doing pretty good, too. We are here on the third episode of The Doctor's Watcher. Yes. And... At this point, it's been a few weeks since we recorded the first couple episodes. Yes, I wasn't sure if we were going to admit that, but yes. <laughs> Do a little bit of behind the pod here. Yes. <laughs> so, we'll see if we remember how this whole recording <laughs> process works. If I remember what happened last time. I remember we had a cave of skulls. That's true. We did have the cave of skulls. We didn't get to the Cave of Skulls until the very end of the episode, if I remember right. Even though the episode was called the Cave of Skulls. Right. Uh, This is the one with the cave people, to remind our our listeners at home. This is going to be part two of the one with the cave people. Yes, but not, not skull people, just cave people. Right. So, as I was saying, we'll see if we remember how the recording process works, but I have learned... A fair, well, a little bit at least about how the editing process works in the editing software that we that we are using for the show. So that's exciting. If you are listening to this, then you'll know that we did eventually release the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So something else that I've been doing in the past couple of weeks since we recorded the last few episodes is watching some Doctor Who. Yes. Do you want me to tell you about it? <laughs> yes, please. Awesome. I mean, you know, if you feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> saw our heroes are in the the previously titular cave of skulls of course this episode is the forest of fear yes i'm so into it (laughs) hopefully it'll be you know before the very end of the episode that they get to the forest i mean i feel like these are such good like you know paperback you know, mass market horror sci-fi titles. Yeah. I don't know. I can just imagine them all having, you know, a big scary monster on the cover and some muscular dude and some (laughs) lady in distress. And it's just all such kind of trashy, schlocky, tropey sci-fi. The forest of fear there, these, these characters are you know, depicted against a background of, like, darkened darkened trees with glowing eyeballs. Yes. There are snakes hanging from the branches of the trees. I didn't even picture the snakes. (laughs) If you you look, like, in in the back corner of the cover, you can see some, like, a leopard or something in the distance. But they... They 
are in the Cave of Skulls, and they have just discovered that most of the skulls in this cave have been split wide open. Oh my gosh. And we then cut to the cave people who are asleep in their cave, and the old woman wakes up, or... I, I don't think she was actually asleep in the first place. She was waiting for everyone else to be asleep, and then she gets up, and she kind of creeps around the cave a little bit and steals a flint hand axe oh, dang. from the sleeping Zaw. As the episode title comes up, The Forest of Fear, written by Anthony Coburn. Oh, should have mentioned who that is in the previous episodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Anthony Coburn has written all three of the episodes that we've discussed so far. Good job, Anthony Coburn. Indeed. Anthony Coburn, well done with the unearthly and unearthly child, and now part two of the one with the cave people. Yes. Which, you said that's called unofficially 10,000 BC? Right. Cool. But I don't believe they ever actually say what year it is. So, but when when they're doing, like, the trippy time travel sequence, isn't there, like, a time counter or something that's, like, <laughs> spinning, the numbers are changing? I mean, I just pictured um, that, and it wasn't actually a thing. No, that was... The trippy time travel sequence is mostly just, like, visual effects. Okay. And swirling blobs of of black and white. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I was gonna say swirling blobs of color, but that doesn't. <laughs> that's not the case. So back in the cave of skulls, our heroes are using rocks to try to saw through the cords that are tying them up. Uh-huh. But it's not really working. <laughs> the rocks are too crumbly, basically. They can feel some air coming in from somewhere. Ian says it may only be a small opening, so you know don't count on on being able to escape through you know wherever this air is coming in. The doctor says, "Well, obviously you you are you're counting on it." And Ian says, "Of course I am. Any hope is better than none." And he says, "Don't just lie there criticizing us. Do something. Help us all to get out of here." So on the one hand, he's like, don't get your hopes up. And on the other hand, like, but you must hold on to hope. Right. You don't get your hopes up, but I am. (laughs) (laughs) So they end up using the bones, actually, instead of the rocks to saw through their cords. Ah. And that works much better. The doctor suggests that they all take turns trying to cut Ian's hands free. Mm-hmm. And Ian, in what I deemed our 60s feminist moment of the episode, says, Surely we should get the girls free? And the doctor says, No, no, we've got to get you free first. You're the strongest, and you may have to defend us. Nice. Good Ew. job, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. 
we cut back to the old woman. So, like, on the one hand, sorry, but, like, on the one hand, Ian is, like, you know, ladies first, kind of, you know, chivalry type thing. And on the other hand, the doctor's like, no, no, we need big, strong, manly man to be free first before I can free these weak women. So it's like, either way, right. <laughs> either way, it's not great. And as soon as the doctor points that out, Ian's like, oh, yeah, you know, he, he goes along with it. Like, <laughs> it's like it makes sense. Uh-huh. They Sounds all legit. start working to cut Ian free. <laughs> So, our heroes in the cave, the doctor and his group of hostages, I mean companions, uh, there's actually an interesting bit of dialogue between Barbara and the doctor. You're, you're trying to help me. Fear makes companions of all of us. That's right. I never once thought you were afraid. Fear is with all of us and always will be. Just like that other sensation that lives with it. What's that? Well, uh, your companion referred to it. Hope. Hope, Miss Wright. Hmm. So I had the script open, like the script for this full serial open in front of me when I was writing my notes up for this episode. And I control f and confirmed that this is indeed the first instance of the word companion... Oh, right, yeah. Which is a word that, as we know, later on, spoiler alert, (laughs) becomes the word for the various different people that accompany the Doctor over the course of the show. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that's something that just, like, fans refer to the various characters as companions or if, like, the Doctor also refers to them as his companions. I believe, if I recall, the Doctor does refer to them as companions most of the time. I don't know, like, when it really starts. Because here, of course, the word is used twice, both by the Doctor. First, he uses it referring to the group as a whole, Uh saying that we're all companions on account of, like, you know, this fear that we're all experiencing together. And... Then the second time he refers to Ian as Barbara's companion, Hmm. which kind of made me wonder, does the Doctor ship Ian and Barbara? (laughs) Because I do, I mean... Yabra. (laughs) Barbian. Barbian, probably. Barbian. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you can just make it barbarian. Oh, I like that. I like that. (laughs) Back in the cave people cave... Her wakes up, and Zaw wakes up, and they discover that Zaw's flint hand axe is gone. Do they know that it's a flint hand axe? Like, is that something that they say? Uh, I'm pretty sure that term is in this script at one point. I'm th- I think that's why it's in my notes okay. over and over. Yeah, because I feel like, you know, from going to camp as kids or reading about people going to camp as kids. Flint and steel was always the thing that you'd use to make fire. Yeah. So it's like, fire is such a big thing, so if they have a flint hand axe, then we're like, hmm, I wonder. Yeah, so I'm looking at... I'm looking at the script, and it looks like it, it's not actually in the dialogue. It's just in... Like the notes, and this is probably not an official script so much as uh, somebody's unofficial transcript. So, gotcha. uh, who knows if it's actually Flint or not? I suppose. 
some material that you might or might not potentially be able to use to make fire. Right. Cool. But for the moment, they've made a hand axe out of it. Yes. Which which hand axe has been stolen by the old woman. Right. Who has no name. She's She predates naming technology. <laughs> She's too old. And so her and Zah discover that this hand axe is gone, and they kind of head out of the cave and start looking around for it, and we cut back to our heroes in the Cave of Skulls. There's a lot of cutting back and forth between caves in this episode. Yes. And Susan screams briefly (coughs) as the old woman enters the Cave of Skulls and announces You will not make fire. (laughs) So she's got an axe and all the skulls in the Cave of Skulls have been split in half. Right. Split open at least. Mm. Yeah. It's starting to fall into place. Yes. We cut back to Zaw and her who are now outside of their cave, and Zah is kind of being an idiot. He says, now tell me. And her says, I saw the old woman take your knife. And Zah says, why did you let her? She's old. You could have held her. And her says, why did she take it? And Zah says, she's gone into the forest. No, she's going to kill the strangers, says her. And Zah says, did she say this? And her's like, no, but she took your knife. She's afraid of fire. And Zah's like, oh, you should have stopped her. And her says, well, Cal was in the cave. Leaders are awake when others sleep. The strange tribe will not be able to show you how to make fire if the old woman kills them. And Zah says, if I stop her from killing them, they will give fire to me and not to Cal. The woman could not have got into the cave. The great stone is still there. Why do you tell me this? And then he pushes her over and starts threatening her with his axe. But then they hear voices coming from inside the cave. They mm. And Zah says, oh, the old woman's talking to them. You know, her, her tells him that the old woman has stolen his axe, that she saw this happen. Yes. And they wonder why she has done this. And... Her, of course, is like, well, you know, clearly she's going to go kill the strangers. But he thought that she was going to the forest. Yeah. Like, mm. He thought she was going to the forest. It just seems like, you know, inference is not a technology that they've perfected yet. Right. And as much as Za and Cal both seem to be, like, into name and pronoun technology... Yes. Her seems to be the one who's into inference technology. (laughs) So the old woman inside the cave tells them that she'll set them free if they leave without making fire, which will bring trouble and death to the tribe. And the doctor says there will be no fire. Outside the cave, Zah and Her can't move the stone that's blocking the entrance to the cave. So... Hmm, but the woman got in somehow. Right. And we we then see how, as we see the old woman sneak them out 
through like a back entrance, basically. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Good job. Zon, her, I guess, managed to move the stone because they enter just after our heroes leave, and Zah strikes the old woman down. Oh, dang. Her says that now he is the leader, and he'll be even stronger when he knows the secret of fire. Stronger than Cal, she says. So our heroes are now running through the forest, and the doctor has to stop to catch his breath. He says, I'm not so young, you know. Because, of course, back in these early episodes, the doctor's an old man. And Barbara, as they're all stopped here in the forest, Barbara kind of starts having a mild freakout. She is unable to remember if this is the right way back to the TARDIS or not. And, you know, that's what she's saying, at least. Like, I'm sure she's upset about a lot of different things at this point. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's what's coming out of her mouth. Ian goes over and, and calms her down by reminding her that at least they're free of the cave now. Yes. They're, you know, on their way back to the TARDIS. They all think that they're getting back near the ship. Ian asks the doctor how he feels, and the doctor says, I'm all right. Don't keep on looking upon me as the weakest link of the party. Mm. This is right after he had to stop everyone in order to catch his breath, so whatever. Yeah. Barbara screams, and, you know, what was kind of a mild moment earlier intensifies because she she has seen movement in the bushes. The doctor completely dismisses her and completely dismisses what she's saying while Ian actually goes over and calms her down again, talks to her for a minute and whatnot. But does anyone actually check the bushes? No. No, no one actually checks the bushes. Susan is complaining about being cold... The doctor is complaining about being hot with exertion, so they decide we're just going to stay here and rest for a few minutes. And it's at this point that we finally get to hear what the doctor and Ian really think of each other. Well, you seem to have elected yourself leader of this little party. There isn't time to vote on it. Just as long as you understand that I won't follow your orders blindly. The doctor's like, listen, I have the highest intelligence stat. I should clearly be the leader. Uh-huh. And Ian's like, no, no, I'm the fighter. I'm going to be going into the dungeon first. And so Ian says, if there were only two of us, you could find your own way back to the ship. <laughs> and the, the doctor. <laughs> the doctor says, aren't you a tiresome young man? And you're a stubborn old man. But you'll lead. The girl's in between and I'll bring up the rear because that's the safest way. So in spite of being the fighter, Ian's like, fine, whatever. You want to be in front? You can be in fucking front. Yes. <laughs> See how you and your 1d4 hit points do at the front of the party. Uh-huh. Because clearly he's the wizard. Ian actually thinks Barbara was right because he now thinks that he heard something in the bushes. Now that he's heard it himself, then, like, we should actually address this. <laughs> The doctor is still dismissing it. He thinks it's sheer imagination. And he won't allow himself to be frightened by shadows. But, you know, at least now it's slightly less sexist because he's dismissing Ian and Barbara, not just Barbara. 
Of course, we then cut to her and Zah tracking them through the forest, finding branches that they broke, seeing their footprints. You know, they're they're having a pretty easy job <laughs> tracking them, actually, because it's not like they were trying to hide their tracks or anything, and Zah and her are both accomplished hunters. Zah, for some reason, thinks it was wrong to follow them, he tells her, but her says they can't turn back now. So we cut back to our heroes, who decide it's time to get going again. Like, you know, our rest period is up. Our our short rest, we've rolled our hit dice, <laughs> and we need to get moving. Barbara trips and falls onto the corpse of a wild boar, and since, you know, her she hasn't really been doing that well in willpower checks in this episode, she starts screaming and crying. I feel like, is this like the third time this episode that she just like starts screaming? I think, I think it was, yeah. It's all been sort of like the same prolonged kind of freak out session, but you know, she kind of peaks and Ian kind of calms her down and then she kind of peaks again and Ian calms her down again. And, but this time her and Zah hear her screaming and crying and they start trying to sneak up on our heroes. Ian manages to hear them approaching. Mm-hmm. I guess even though they're accomplished hunters, they can't sneak up on Ian, apparently. So well, We know Ian has a good perception stat because right. he like saw the stuff in the bushes. So our party leaves and hides, and her and Zah come up on the area and start looking around. Zah goes into his his sneak mode. He's got his club out and we then get a pretty great shot. We have the camera in front of Zah looking directly at him as the actor pretends to see something scary, I guess, and yells, Ah! And then he just falls forward (laughs) out of our view, towards the camera, out of our view. And then we cut to her screaming, having witnessed this. So is it supposed to look like something grabbed him, or like he's going to go attack something? Or does it really just look like he kind of fell over? I'm not entirely sure what it's (laughs) supposed to look like. But what it did look like was just him falling over. Gotcha. Straight forward towards the camera. (laughs) Good. (laughs) We do actually learn what happens to him. And I will tell you about it in just a moment. Hey everyone, this is Kyle. Here on the Doctor's Watcher, we don't have any sponsors, at least not yet, and we haven't even set up a Patreon or anything. But we appreciate you listening. Maybe we'll get around to setting up a Patreon or whatever later, or maybe we'll try to sell you some mattresses or meal prep kits or whatnot. But in the meantime, Benny and I both have Venmos. If you really want to send us some money... Let's start with you sending an email to thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com, and we'll work something out. Thanks for listening. So Zah has just fallen off screen, and I said that I would tell you what happened to him, but we don't actually get to see it. We get to see a reaction shot of Barbara looking horrified as we hear some animalistic growling sounds. And this lasts for a good few beats. <laughs> An uncomfortable amount of time. Uh-huh. I 
Yeah, Barbara kind of, you know, grimaces and winces, and we just see this reaction shot. So, so something grabs Zaw, her screams, and at this point our heroes see them. And right, because our heroes were, were hiding in the area. Okay. And Ian tries to rush everybody away, but Barbara doesn't want to just leave them now that Zaw has been, has been pretty severely injured. Mm-hmm. She thinks that Zaw might even be dead, so like you know, she wants to check him out and try to take care of him and whatnot. Turns out he's not actually dead, he's just badly wounded. Ian tells her uh, I should clarify Ian tells the cave person named her <laughs> yeah, <I was laughs> like, like, <"Wait." laughs> Ian tells her the cave woman that they're friends and he wants to help them so he sends her and Barbara to fetch some water for Zaw's wounds her is pretty amazed at the idea of fabric soaking up water and then, like, wringing the fabric out. So, at this point, is Zaw still being, like, actively eaten? Or did the no, creature no, no, just, the, like, go off? The creature is gone at this point. Okay, it just yeah. had a little snack. Right. And went we off. never got to see the creature, but yeah, just okay. snacked on Zaw for a little bit and then left. It was just feeling playful. <laughs> so, her is pretty amazed at the idea of using fabric to soak up water and then wring it out. This is probably a technology she's never seen before. And she says, water comes out of the skin. And Ian's like, yeah. <laughs> cool. The doctor is like, what the fuck are you doing? WTF. We were trying to get away and now you're helping them? And Barbara says, why? You treat everybody and everything as something less important than yourself. Some of us are lawful good. (laughs) Not all of us are chaotic neutral. (laughs) The doctor says, You're trying to say that everything you do is reasonable, and everything I do is inhuman. I'll point out here that the doctor is literally inhuman, as an alien. Well, I'm afraid your judgment's a fault, Miss Wright, not mine. Haven't you realized if these two people can follow, if any of these people can follow us, the whole tribe might descend upon us at any moment? He's so concerned about people following him or learning about him in all these early episodes, but it seems like in the later stuff, like, that's really not a big deal. Yeah, and, like, everyone's already heard of him. Right. But I guess, you know, this is still early in his his adventures. Yeah, because he only just stole the TARDIS, right? Theoretically. We don't actually know how long he and Susan traveled before they came to Earth, but... I just thought because... You know, when they arrive at 10,000 BC, one of them, I think it was Susan, seems surprised that it's still a police box. Right. So it seems... So I, I was just assuming that, like, their first trip after stealing it had been to 1960s Earth. TARDIS becomes a police box, and, you know, with its one remaining, like, charge of chameleon, whatever it's called. Right. Um, and then... From that point forward, it's always going to be police box because that's kind of where it all began. She had mentioned that it was an ionic column and a sedan chair. Oh, that's true. That's true. I had forgotten about that. So I think they have (laughs) traveled around a little bit, but I'm sort of imagining that they left 
their home planet, which we will eventually learn is called Gallifrey. Yes. And they came to Earth and kind of hopped around a little bit through history. And maybe the 60s was like their third landing in Earth and the mm-hmm. first place that that they decided to stick around for a while. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, clearly they haven't been traveling for long. I forgot about the Ionic column. So, yeah, they haven't been traveling for long, so I think that must be why he's so concerned about not getting his spot blown up yet. Yes. Ian and Barbara want to make a stretcher to carry Zah back to the TARDIS, so they get working on that. Meanwhile, we cut back to the cave, and Cal actually finds the old woman, and it turns out she's not dead. Wait, so not, this is the Cave of Skulls? Yeah. Gotcha. We thought that Zaw had killed the old woman earlier, but apparently he just knocked her out, I guess. So Cal finds her, and she lies, and she tells Cal that Zaw let our heroes out of the cave. When, of course, it was actually her. The old woman, rather. <laughs> yeah, they, they're still working on pronouns and names they should they still need to figure out that pronoun that names should not also be pronouns <laughs> I, I still think that somehow like her became the originator of the her pronoun I think it was so the old woman tells Cal that Zah let our heroes out of the cave and that Zah and her went with them Cal says they went with them to learn how to make fire. Because, of course, for Cal, everything comes back to fire. Yes. Old woman says they won't make fire. There won't be any more fire. Because the doctor promised. Right. But then Cal apparently somehow realizes that the old woman was lying and that it was... I guess when she says there won't be any fire, like, he puts two and two together and realizes, no, actually, she let them out and got them escaped and whatever. So he raises a hand axe, and before he brings it down, the camera cuts away to our heroes. Cal has perfected inference technology. Right. Our heroes are still trying to help Zaw, but... Her is not too sure about it. She says, I don't understand what you're doing. You're like a mother with a child. Why do you not kill? And okay. <laughs> Ian says, well, How can we explain to her? She doesn't understand kindness, friendship. And Barbara says, We will make him well again. We will teach you how to make fire. In return, you show us the way back to our cave. And Zaw, who's still injured... Says, listen to them. They do not kill. Hmm. These cave people are just completely flabbergasted that <laughs> our heroes aren't just like straight up murdering them. And Zaz like Ixnay on the you know <laughs> killing, please. <laughs> maybe maybe don't like argue with them about whether they should be killing me right now. <laughs> the doctor through this whole thing is just kind of standing off to the side glowering and glaring not doing anything and her kind of glances over it at the doctor and Ian sees this and Ian says how about giving us a hand doctor and Susan says 
He's always like this if he doesn't get his own way. <laughs> he's just crotchety. Yep, he's an old man who's pouting. Poor old grandpa, boo-hoo, doesn't get his own way. There's a weird moment where the doctor approaches Za on the ground. You know, Ian kind of, I guess, shames him into doing something. Mm-hmm. So he approaches Za on the ground as everyone's getting ready to go, and he grabs a rock, or maybe the flint hand axe, it's unclear, and he raises his arm, hmm. and then Ian grabs his arm. It's like, hold on a second. <laughs> and of course Ian says, what are you doing? And the doctor says, Well, uh, I, I was going to get him to draw our way back to the TARDIS. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Sure, Doc. That's I'm sure that's what you were going to do. Just get him to draw a map back to the TARDIS. With this flint sand axe I was about to hand uh-huh. him. So, while we're talking about first, Ian probably just prevented the Doctor from committing a cold-blooded murder. Good job, Ian. That would have been committed right like, literally feet away from Barbara and Susan. <laughs> so, you know what I have to say about that? What the fuck, Doctor? <laughs> is this our first, you know, th- this episode is our first what the fuck, Doctor moment? Uh, yeah, I think it, I think it might be. <laughs> this could be our recurring thing. <laughs> I, I imagine that that segment might eventually disappear, but, yeah, I'm sure in these early episodes, at least. So I feel like we had a, did we have like a doctor as a jerk or something? I feel yeah, like, I, I feel like we need something a little stronger. stronger. I feel like yeah. for cold-blooded murder, we need something stronger. <laughs> so, yeah, that's our official what-the-fuck doctor for the episode. Ian just lets it go, though. No harm, no foul. Right. <laughs> he didn't actually murder him. He says that we need to go. It's already been too long. And he tells the doctor to grab one end of the stretcher. This leads to our other 60s feminist moment of the episode. We've got a twofer. Oh, man. We've been too long as it is. Is the stretcher ready? Yes. All right, you take one end of it. You don't expect me to carry him, do you? Do you want the women to do the job for you? Oh, pretty well. Duh. <laughs> I, I feel like the, the doctors are, like, fairly... I mean, I, I've seen, you know... He showed me, I think, the first episode and then the Aztecs. And he does not seem particularly physically strong. Like, I'm pretty sure Barbara, at least, could carry a stretcher better than he could. Yeah, I'm almost positive that Barbara is more capable physically than the Doctor. It's like, just show me your character sheet. What's your strength stat? Mm-hmm. Doctor's probably eight or nine. At best. Barbara's at least, like, twelve. I'd say Doctor's more like seven. Yeah, probably. He's probably mid-maxed all his stats anyway. Back at the cave, Cal tells everyone that our heroes have gone, Mm -hmm. that Za and her have gone with them, and that we all need to go after them. Her's dad, whose name I learned is Horg. Horg doesn't believe that his daughter, her, would have gone with them. But Cal's like, dude, go ask the old woman. She's in the Cave of Skulls. She'll tell you. So 
they all go to the Cave of Skulls. Cal walks up to the old woman, and... and the old woman's like, I'm having a really bad day. <laughs> Cal walks up to the old woman and says, she will tell, and he nudges her, and the old woman just tips over. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently she's having a very bad day. Yep. So, Cal claims to have a vision of what happened, though. He says, My eyes tell me what has happened, as they do when I sleep and I see things. We haven't invented the word dream yet. Yes. It's a new technology. Za and her came to free them and to find the way to make fire. The old woman saw them. Za! Kill the old woman! The old woman is dead. It must have been as your eyes said it was. <laughs> I mean, all the facts fit. Hori's <laughs> like, yep, I guess she is dead, so... Everything that you said must be definitely 100% true. I mean, in his story, he did say that she got killed, and look, she's totally dead. Yep. So, I don't know what you want, Kyle. We haven't invented logic or proofs or anything like that yet, so... Cal is just like, sweet, can't believe it was that easy. I I should have claimed to have visions earlier. (laughs) I'm totally leader now. Our heroes get through the forest... Which I don't think they ever actually call the Forest of Fear, but presumably that's what it was. And Susan excitedly shouts out when she sees the TARDIS off in the distance. However, we then see that between our heroes and the TARDIS is kind of coming up from behind the sand dunes and the hills of dirt and whatnot, we see Cal and a whole group of other spear-wielding cave people. Uh Uh-oh. And between us and finding out if they get back to the TARDIS, there's a close-up of Cal's face with the superimposed title, next episode, The Firemaker. Oh, dang. And that's The Forest of Fear. So I feel like episode title was probably a bit more relevant than Cave of Skulls. Uh, well, but what's the fear in the forest of fear? We have like the one creature that attacks um, Zot off screen. That's true. I, mean, I guess they are they are in the forest a lot and they are afraid, but the forest itself is not really that fearful or, yeah. or fearsome, rather. I was expecting snakes hanging from tree branches, leopard off to the side... Glowing eyes on the trees. <laughs> we didn't get any of that. Well, we might have gotten a leopard. I mean, that that's true. We don't know. Something. We don't know what attacked Zaw. But yeah, all we got was movement in the distance, which may have been Zaw and her. We don't know. Yes. And, oh, and some I, yeah, unknown I guess I beast. I just kind of assumed that it was. I I always did too. I think that's what we're meant to assume. Yeah. I do. I do enjoy the. Uh, 
budget stretching effects of the the beast attack. Yeah, giving us the reaction shot <laughs> is a is a good touch. Legit, legitimately, all things considered, given what their budget was, it probably would have looked absolutely terrible. Probably hilarious, but terrible <laughs> if they had tried to like. I guess their options are like person in a costume. Dog in a costume, <laughs> um, some sort of puppet type scenario. I that's probably about the extent yeah. of it. <laughs> Stop motion, maybe. Yeah, it could be. I suppose that's probably too expensive. Yeah, but I've been kind of thinking about that. Where like, it really seems like these first few episodes are super cheap in terms of like sets and costumes and stuff mm-hmm. now I would think that if you're trying to hook an audience on your brand new show you'd probably want to splurge a bit on the, the budgets for the first few episodes and then kind of like you know let it coast a little in kind of the midway point and then maybe for sleep week you can throw in some other new technology sci-fi extravaganza and then coast a bit more and then have like a season finale you'd think yeah again but it's like no we're getting like i assume styrofoam sets cheap ass like fur costumes Uh uh-huh um tardis kind of we haven't seen the inside of the tardis since the first episode basically i'm sure that they just built the set at one point and then just kept Using it. Yeah. The other thing, though, that's worth that's worth thinking about along similar lines is so this is meant to be like a sci-fi show, right? Yeah. And at this point in the show, I think it's meant to be pseudo pseudo educational. <laughs> I I'm not sure what makes you say that. <laughs> and the way that. I guess the way that part of how it was pitched was that they could alternate between doing, like, sci-fi stories and doing, like, more historical stories, I guess, to, like, teach kids history or whatnot. I I feel like there's not a whole lot of history There's really not a whole lot of history. like, we know that at some point... Early humans must have discovered fire, and I suspect uh-huh. that was a big deal for them. But having this like made up scenario, I don't think that's going to help anyone out on their history homework. Right. And the other part of it is that you're sent down to watch this brand new sci fi show. Yes. You watched the first episode and learned about Susan, the unearthly child. Uh huh. And now you're like, sweet, awesome, the TARDIS actually went somewhere through time and space. I think we learned that in the first episode, maybe not until the second. But, you know, something happened, it's not in the junkyard anymore, gonna be some cool sci-fi shit, but nope, it's the one with the cave people. We're doing a historical one first, and not even a very good historical one. Yeah, I want aliens. Because we totally want to hook our new viewers. I want aliens, maybe some robots... Like, which I assume, like, in the 60s is going to be people wearing spandex or people wearing, like, you know, aluminum, shiny clothing or something along those lines. But that's good. (laughs) This is what I want, nevertheless. Well, based on 
title of the fire maker. I don't think we'll be getting aliens next time. Nope. Sounds like we're probably still going to be in the one with the cave people. Well, we got we got to definitely wrap up this arc, but or you know progress it at least. Right. Yeah. So I think I think let's tune in next week and or whatever our release schedule is going to be. Yes. And find out <laughs> what happens then. Tune in. Insert here. <laughs> Hey, Kyle here. I want to say thanks to Circuit 23 for the awesome theme song he wrote for us. You can check out his other music at soundcloud.com slash circuit23, and you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23 at gmail.com. Thanks to Benny for listening to me talk about Doctor Who, and thanks to all of you for listening to Benny listen to me talk about Doctor Who. You can follow us on Twitter at Watcher. And you can email us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com. If you liked the show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. If your rating is not five stars, save yourself the time and don't even bother. Join us again in two weeks on The Doctor's Watcher. like a like a mother with a child why do you not kill